Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Our listener appreciation campaign continues. If you'd want to uh, join our Patreon supporters, you can uh, become one for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. For these next couple of specials, I decided to do something a little bit different. Because over the last uh, almost uh, 12 years now, I've talked about a lot of uh, cases of script reuse and transporting stories from one detective to another. For example, a script might be written for uh, Richard Diamond and end up on Johnny Dollar. How does the story and tone change when you lift the plot of one story and uh, transplant it to another? That's what we're going to focus on. Uh, Over the next couple of weeks, uh, we will listen to stories that first aired on one series, and then were translated to another. This week, we're going to start with an episode that originally aired on Jeff Regan, a $10 a day private eye who worked in the employ of Anthony Lyon, and we'll see that same story idea transported to Egypt, where uh, Rocky Jordan is the one who will take the case. What's going to be different? What's going to stay the same? We'll find out, and I think it'll be an interesting experience. Well, we'll start out with Jeff Regan, Investigator. The original air date is July the 31st of 1948, and the title is The Lady with the Golden Hair. When Anthony J. Lyon cashes in on somebody's trouble, it means money for him. For me, it means work. I'm Jeff Regan, the Lion's Private Eye. Here's the kind of program you've been waiting to hear. Hard-boiled action and mystery as told by Jeff Regan, investigator. So stand by for trouble. Stand by for suspense. Stand by for adventure. In tonight's story... The Lady with the Golden Hair. And now, here's Jack Webb as Jeff Regan. Well, this is the way it started. I was sitting in the lion's den waiting for him to get off the phone so I could ask him about my expense sheet on that New Orleans thing. He was playing the usual games with his lawyer. Just about the time he hung up and turned his chair my way, the office door opened. All right, Regan, what do you want? Aha! A little curly-headed man, about 40, dressed in a black suit, was standing there. He was holding a stack of $50 bills, a gold-headed cane, and a red card in one hand. In his other, he had a black derby with a hole through the top of it, a pair of suede gloves, and a white carnation. He stood there, looked at both of us. The lion looked at the $50 bills... I looked at the little man. Aha! You are Mr. Lyon, no? I, Max Vladney, have come to see you unappointed. Where you are? Uh, my name's Regan. This is Mr. Lyon. Aha! 
You will do it. Uh, won't you sit down, mister? Uh, Max Vladny, Vladny, Max. 1642 Mulholland Drive, Hollywood 28. An Imperial Studio payroll. Time I do not have. I will not sit. Aha. I demonstrate. See you. That flower I do not need. This, a ticket because I too long park, I also do not need. Cane I place here. A gift from my grandfather. I keep that. Also gloves. Now, what have I left, gentlemen? Uh, quite a bundle of cabbage, uh, cash, Mr. Vladimir. Yeah, yeah, from bank I just arrived. Also this I do not need. For you, all for you. Well, 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 Mr. Vladimir. Aha, now what I have. You, I answer myself. Bullet hole in heart. See you. Oh. It is not finished. One, two, three. Yeah, those look like 38 slugs. Where'd you get them? Out of doorway. I dig them where I'm shot last night in my home. Who's shooting at you, Mr. Vladney? This, if I know, I shoot back. I have no enemies. Everyone is madly in love with Max Vladney. I must buy new hats. Cannot buy new hats. Kindly, you will guard my body from dying. Of course, of course. Now, you've certainly come to the right place, Mr. Vladney. If your life has been threatened, you can depend on International Detective Bureau to see that no harm comes to you. Therefore, it is so. We see. I understand perfectly. Well, if somebody shot at you last night, why didn't you call the police? Uh, Mr. Regan meant to ask uh, who recommended you to International. Aha, uh-huh, I explained. In Imperial Motion Picture Studio, where master of makeup, Max Vladney, who is great, is imported to create beautiful faces from skinny skulls and fat necks, is much newspaper. Free sometimes for agents to press. Hollywood police might think because I work on great gun epic, tie my rope tight, is free trick for agents to press. But it's not joke. To you, I come to take no chance. Yeah. In I am, Mr. Regan. Of course you're in, Mr. Vladney. And Mr. Regan here will stick right by your side until we can get to the bottom of all Now, this. wait a minute. If I have to, I'll use every man on my staff to protect your life, Mr. Vladney. All of the resources of International Detective Bureau are behind you. Regan, I'm entrusting you with Mr. Vladney's life. Already better, I feel. We start. And call me, Regan. Call me. I know. Call you if I run into trouble. Come on, Max. Uh-huh. Well, you can see how it was. Max Vladney's car was parked in a red zone in front of the building, and there was another ticket on it. He tore that one up, too. On the way out to his house, I tried to get a little more information, but it didn't come to much. He couldn't figure out why somebody was shooting at him or who was doing it. It was about six o'clock when we pulled up in front of his house on Mulholland Drive. One of those little places with a big sun porch in front of it and an egg-shaped swimming pool in front of that. He was pulling things out of his pockets looking for the keys of the front door when it happened. See, see what I tell you. All the time shooting at Maxie, someone. All right, get on, get on. What I tell you, my heart is full again of hope. All right, shut up. You aren't hit. He's frightening. Well, unless he's got a machine gun, he can't find anything more. Wait, where go you? You leave Max to be killed. I'm going after him. Stay right here. You'll be all right. 
I started for the heavy brush outside the clearing of the house where white gun smoke still hung around the trees. And then I saw him. It was a gray-haired man, stocky build, glasses, about a hundred feet away, running down the hill, waving the gun. I went after him, but I couldn't get a clear shot. Oh, he was quite an acrobat. He dived over a wooden road bracer and went skidding down the embankment. By the time I got there, he was climbing into an old Chevy convertible, and he took off in a cloud of dust. I couldn't see the license plate on the car. darling. Something like this happening to you. Oh, Max, Max, why would anyone want to do such a thing? It's beyond I got beyond back to the house ten minutes later, and there was oh, a black convertible in the driveway and a very blonde girl in the doorway. She was digging the new slugs out of the woodwork with a penknife. Max was lying on one of the beach chairs. When the blonde girl saw me, she pulled off her sunglasses and held out her hand. How do you do? You're Mr. Regan. Did you kill him? I got away. Oh, and I am again to be shot at. You say he got away, then you saw who it was. Part of him. Who are you? Oh, I beg my pardon. Uh, this is Hilda Graham. You have seen her in pictures. The hair. I have seen her differently. She's my wife, almost. Did you see anybody? Well, I heard the shots as I drove up and found poor Max by the door. He's got to stop this business, Mr. Regan. He's got to stop. Next time, maybe... Well, it certainly the... does have to stop, Mr. Regan. Max, why, he's the finest makeup artist in the world. You great loss to everyone in Hollywood if anything ever happened to him. You see? See? Am I voluble? Did I not tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call yeah. me. Where's your phone? Oh, in there. In my private workshop. A study where I have to live. Use it, please. Call Mr. Lyon and stop the shooting. Oh, my. Darling, this is all for you. Now I should be able to do something. I'm so helpless. Lyon. This is me. I'm calling from Max's. Somebody just threw six bullets all over the place. What? Is Max all right? Didn't even come close. Oh, good, good. Now, the Treasury Department tells me he paid 20000 last year in income tax, and he can afford a little protection. Well, whoever it is got away. I think we ought to turn this over to the cops. The cops? And let them do for free what we're getting paid to do? Not on your life, Regan. What about his life? Well, we'll worry about that, too. Now, listen. I'm sending Joe Cantio out there to give you a hand. Now, this lad is a first-class gold mine, as far as I'm concerned, and that means as far as you're concerned. I don't care what Until you... Until then, do anything you want. So long as you stick by Maxie and don't call the cops. Phoning, Mr. Regan? Yeah, you want one? No, thanks. I have something much better than that at my house. I'll bet you have. I live all alone in Toluca Lake. End of the canyon. I'll remember that when I get thirsty. Who do you suppose is shooting at Max? You tell me, lady. I just met him. I thought you said you saw whoever it was. I did. Well, aren't you going to look for him or send out an alarm or whatever you do? Yeah, whatever we do. I see. Don't you think you ought to be in there holding hands with Max? He's had a hard day. Max? Oh, he's resting now. Do you think he's the kind I'd really have something in common with? I wouldn't know, lady. Well, um... As a matter of fact, I was just leaving. I have to be at the studio early tomorrow. If there's anything I can do at all, I'd 
Be only too happy to cooperate. Yeah, well, why don't you start by giving me those slugs you were digging out of the doorway? Oh, I completely forgot about those. Here, I meant to give them to you. Thanks, I'll need these. Really, whatever on earth for? Comparison test. The ejector marks, the firing pin dents. You can tell if they were fired from the same gun if you want to look into it. And, of course, being a detective, you want to look into it. That's right, I want to look into it. Well, Mr. Regan, it's been nice meeting you. I know you'll take good care of me. If there's anything I can do... Yeah, I'll give you a ring. Do we meet again? I followed her out the door and watched her pat Max on the head, kiss him on the cheek. And then she slid under the wheel of that convertible like she'd been built right along with it. That famous golden hair was blowing behind her by the time she got onto the main road. Be careful, careful. How lovely she is, Mr. Egan, huh? Yeah, Maxine, she's just fine. For her, too, you must keep me alive. She needs me. Yeah. What now? We wait for another guy. Aha, reinforcers. I like you, Mr. Egan. Already better, I feel. Only me, Regan. Take it easy. Oh, Chanto. Come on in. What took you so long? I stopped by police ballistics on the way out. I had them 38 slugs that Max brought in checked. Well, I got some more for you. Well, I found a winner. Gun belongs to a feller named Pete Berger. Mm -hmm. Ain't no permit on it. He done 6 to 18 in San Quentin once for robbery. Sprung a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Address? Yeah, place on Figueroa right off of Sunset. Here. Thanks. Well, he was around again this afternoon, shooting things all over the place. I wonder what the connection is. I'm going to find out before Maxie does. You take over, Joe. Okay, where's our clay pigeon at? Roosting in there. Now keep your eyes open, Canto. I'll get back as soon as I can. Oh, take your time, son. Joey the Canto is on the job. Yeah, I feel better already. in our midst, boy. Uh, yeah, get, get a look at that, will you? White straight off. Girl, he aired. Maybe he's big. Uh, shoe shine. He's got big feet. Yeah, yeah. awful big feet. What'll it be, mister? Mom, champagne or beer? Neither one, lady. Well, we ain't got either one for you, copper. Mm-mm, you picked wrong tonight. Flossie never picks them wrong. I can tell by your feet. You're paid by the city or you're a private peeper and somebody else pays you. Makes no difference to me. All spell copper. What do you want? No fuss with you, Flossie. I'm looking for Pete Berger. Who? Pete Berger. This is his last address. Ain't never heard of no Pete Berger and neither has anybody else. And he ain't never lived here and, and you got a wrong steer. That door lead to rooms upstairs? Yeah, that door leads to rooms upstairs. Mind if I take a look? I mind a lot of things, Seamus. And taking a look is one of them. All right. This Pete Berger you don't know and never heard of was throwing a lot of lead around yesterday and today, and I'm going to take a look anyway. Wait. Hey, hey, you can't go up there. I was only halfway up when a man in a gray sweatshirt backed over to the top of the stairs. There were three red holes just above the center of the sweatshirt. I turned around and tried to say something. I saw what was going to happen, and I hugged the side of the banister. kneeling beside him, holding his head in her arms, rocking back and forth. 
Yeah, you guessed it. It was the same man I'd chased all afternoon. And he didn't live five seconds. We'll return to Jeff Regan, investigator, in just a moment. But first, here's an important message from the Adjutant General's office. At no time in our nation's history has it been more important to develop an outstanding Army medical department. Without an adequate nurse corps, this cannot be accomplished. And nurses are still needed to fill the estimated requirements for 1948. If you're a graduate registered nurse, over 21 and under 45, you are invited to apply for a commission in the Army Nurse Corps Reserve. If you are selected, you may choose either active duty or inactive status. Apply to the Adjutant General, Washington 25, D.C. And now, back to the story of the lady with the golden hair. And Jeff Regan, investigator. Well, after he came falling down the stairs at me and Flossie had a good cry over him, there wasn't anything to do but to call Central Homicide. They got there a few minutes later and went over the whole place taking pictures and prints. Finally, a wagon pulled up and took what was left of Pete Berger down to the morgue. Detective Lieutenant Salvatore Windetti, up to homicide, asked everybody a lot of questions and shipped a couple of people downtown for a couple of different things and finally got around to me. Regan, 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 I think you ought to get yourself a new job. Every time the lion growls, you wind up with a corpse someplace and somebody has to ask you a question. That wasn't my idea, Sally. I might have to book you on technical charge. Oh, stop it, will you? You know I didn't have anything to do with him getting now, shot. the next car named Pete Berger gets topped off just before a private dick gets around asking him a few questions, I got to ask the private dick some questions myself, or else the chief is going to ask me some questions. Make sense? All I know is that somebody's been shooting at a client of mine. Mm-hmm. And that somebody's Pete Berger. How do you know? The bullets came from a gun owned by Pete Berger, so I came down to see him. Only he walks out all loaded down with 45 slugs and dies before you can say hello. Isn't that the bomb? Who's your client, Regan? Do I have to tell you? No, but you will. Uh-uh. Company policy. Company policy. Confidence in a client. Regan... Can you arrest me for anything? Depends. Material witness, maybe. Yeah. While it's depending, I'll get a hold of the lion, he'll get a hold of Harry Presidio, and then I'll bet you ten bucks there'll be a writ of habeas corpus at the station by the time you get me there. All right, all right, all right. You're clear. This is a murder case, Regan. That's a serious crime in anybody's town. I don't know any more than I just told you, Sal. You know the name of your client? Why was Pete shooting at him? That's what I was going to ask Pete. Oh, now just exactly where does that put us? My client's safe and sound in his home, and Joe Canto's keeping an eye on him. When Canto was pounding a beat for the department, some guys got away from him. A lot of guys get away from a lot of cops, but not when the cop's watching. Canto's good at that. You know him. Oh, sure, sure, sure. It's a thought. Well, it's no good. Before Pete Berger went to San Quentin, he was never very handy with a gun because his eyes were so bad he couldn't see his hand in front of his face. He didn't hit anything yesterday or today, but he was sure trying. Now, Flossie told me Pete's been playing stop man in pictures, making a buck at it. Seems he learned all his tricks while he was in the clink. They have a nice gym up there. I never tell what they'll do next. Still, can't understand why he'd all of a sudden go around shooting at somebody. You figure it, Sally Unless maybe there was something personal and Pete had to do it. And whoever people shooting, I got kind of sore. Turn around and plug Pete tonight, huh? My client's home. Safe. 
Shoot, shoot. Cattle's almost forgotten. Pete Berger was a perfect setup for a wise guy. An ex-con who done 15 years, who learns his lesson, wants to make a straight dime, gets mad when anybody bothers. Blackmail. It's been done before. Pete had a good, healthy bank balance. I guess he was saving up for his old age. But some wise guy finds out Pete's a con, says, I'll tell your boss unless you kick in. Then maybe Pete starts shooting to scare him into shutting up. Makes sense? Sounds like an old fairy tale, Sally. But screwy enough to be the answer. Only this wise guy Pete's shooting at thinks Pete might be in business. So he just comes over here tonight and plugs Pete. And who's the wise guy? Your client. John going to tell me his name? I can't involve a client in a murder. Oh, yeah, company policy. I almost forgot. Regan will find out in the morning. We got some lawyers, too. I know. Couldn't tell me now? I'll phone you in an hour, Sally. Okay. Okay, Regan, you can talk to him first. But phone me. Good night. Good night, Regan. See you around. My watch said four o'clock by the time I got to the hills back of Laurel Canyon and started up Mulholland Drive. The usual fog was in the usual places, doing the usual things to trees and houses. And when I pulled up in front of Max's house, one light was burning in the window. The rest of the house looked dark. Everything was quiet. The first thing I noticed was cordite. It smells black and it means that guns have been fired. The whole room was full of it. Max Vladney was lying half on the floor and half on the table he'd used for a workshop. A bottle of spirit gum was spilled on the floor along with some false blonde hair and a cracked wig block. He had one free arm around a white plaster cast of a head, just like it was a doll. There were two blue holes in the middle of his forehead. I just stood there looking at him when I heard a noise in back of me. It was Canto, and he was on the floor at the foot of the bed. Oh, no, don't try to move me, Regan. <coughs> I've been laying here waiting for you. It's in my lungs somewhere. <coughs> I don't think I got any blood to spare. <coughs> Joey boy let you down, huh? It happened an hour after. You left. I don't know who done it. <clears throat> a lot of noise in Max's room, and I come in, the next thing I know, I'm taking a slug myself. <sighs> hey, hey, call me a doc, will you, Regan? I got a date tomorrow night. She's been trying to get rid of me. Does it give her a good excuse? <sighs> Guess Lionel be mad, huh? Call me a doc, Regan, right quick. Well, I made a lot of phone calls before it was all over. Hollywood receiving hospital, Wendetti, central homicide, and I got the lion out of bed and told him what had happened. He said he'd meet me at the hospital. I hung around a while and talked to Wendetti. He didn't have much to say. When he got through poking around, he gave me a lift as far as the hospital. The lion was standing around the hall when I got there. It was the first time I'd ever seen him look tired. Hello, Regan. I just talked to the doctor. It's going to cost plenty. How bad is it? Twenty-five bucks a day for a room, plus surgery. No, I mean Canto. Oh. Uh, bullet penetrated upper lobe of his right lung. Here, they pull this out. Forty-five slugs. Who shoots 45s that good? Lots of people. 
Same kind of people who go around killing Pete Berger and Max Vladney. Yeah. Candle getting himself shot's going to eat up every penny we might have made on this thing. Is money all you ever think of? What else is there to think about? If you got it, you're fine. If you haven't got it, you're nothing but a bum. One of your own men is lying in there wondering if he's ever going to live or die, and he took that slug because you sent him on the job. Everybody dies. I'll give him a citation. Oh, you big pile of blubber. I ought to push you out a window. Now, talk like that isn't going to help anything. No, but I know what now, is. Now, wait a minute, Regan. This is a police job. Oh, now it's a police job. Yeah, like I told you. And you can't go running around sticking your snoot into a couple of killings and giving international a lot of bad publicity. Now, get this, Fatso. I'm going out and find the guy who plugged Canto. Now, you listen to and me. I want it down in the books and the papers and any place else that an international operator brought in the guy who killed one of their clients and shot one of their men. Well, I won't be responsible for anything that happens. Okay, if you don't like the way I do things, you can pull my license right off the wall and get yourself another boy. Hey, hey, where are you going? Come back. <laughs> When I saw you at Max's yesterday afternoon, I didn't think you'd come by for that drink at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, come in, come in. I was just having coffee. I have to be at the studio for an early makeup job. You look all right to me the way you are. Well, you can be nice. Will you have some coffee? No, thanks. Oh? I just stopped by for a minute. I'm afraid I have some tough news for you. Max. Nothing happened to Max. He's dead. Oh, no. Not Max. Oh, Max. Somebody shot him three hours ago. Why would anyone want to kill Max? That's what I'm going to find out. Max expected me to marry him. So many plans. What can I do to help Mr. Regan? What can I do? All right, now, look. A smart cop named Wendetti is going to be knocking on your door pretty soon. He's going to ask you a lot of questions about Max. Give me the answers first. Would you mind terribly if we sat down? I... Max was all I had. I want to be near someone. Sure. I know I'm acting silly about this. What is it I can tell you, Mr. Regan? Did Max ever mention a man named Pete Berger? No. Never heard that name before. Well, he worked at the same studio. He was the one that shot at Max yesterday afternoon. And he killed Max? No. He's dead, too. He was shot to death an hour earlier I was there. I'm not very good at this kind of thing. What are you trying to tell me, Mr. Regan? Both of these killings were done by an amateur. And not very good jobs. But there had to be some reason. I... I don't know. I've been in the business a long time, lady. Too long. People kill for money or love or just for the crazy feel of blasting a gun at somebody. This has been a lot for you. You know, if you find a reason, you find a killer. What kind of work would a makeup man be doing at home? I don't know. Max always tried to improve his work. I suppose that's why he made the money he did. He might have made a plaster cast of a head so he could study a face. I suppose so. Yes. Your face? Yes, I suppose so. Why? It's a nice face. I've seen it in pictures. Most press agents think my hair nice hair. Yeah, it is. Long, golden hair. It feels soft and warm. The way you hoped it would feel. Well, it does. And my lips? I don't feel bad doing this. I never did love Max. 
I was indebted to him. I was terribly ill several years ago. He helped me. I can see why he felt the way he did about you. Can you? I like the way you did that. I know what Max had been working on. It was something for you. Really? He was holding a plaster cast of your head in his arms when I found him. Of course, there was no hair on it, and it looked kind of funny. Don't say that! Don't ever say a thing like that. Yeah, now I got it. What are you talking about? Murder, lady, lots of it. You killed a poor ex-con because he bungled a job you blackmailed him into doing. You shot him last night because I was going to talk you to crazy. him. You're crazy. Why would I do a thing like then that? Then you went over and you killed Max. And while you're at it, you pumped the slugger two into Joe Cannon. You Cano. think yourself there's got to be a reason that Every I newspaper in the country is going to carry this story, lady. Oh, yeah. Hilda Graham, the one with all the long golden hair, is really as bald as a fresh air. Shut up! Shut up! Don't you ever say anything like that in front of me? Why are you... Go ahead, lady. Pick up that paperweight and I'll break you in two. Now, come on. Let's go. No. Oh, no, you can't. You mustn't find out about my hair. Please, please don't tell them about my hair. I couldn't stand that. I... Oh, please, please, you know how nice I can be. <laughs> Lady, you're a bum. <laughs> Max had been trying to get her to marry him, and she didn't want to marry anybody, so she killed him. The police stenographer scratched his head on that one until I explained it was her hair, that long golden hair, only it wasn't hers. It was a wig that Max had fixed up for her. She'd lost all hers when she was sick and couldn't stand the thought of anybody going around knowing it wasn't her own. Well, I guess you run into all kinds. A couple of days later, I saw Canto at the hospital. He'd had some transfusions and a lot of other things. He was coming along fine. I was reading a paper when I walked in. Oh, Ray. So what is what, huh? Hi, Joe. I've been reading about that Hilda Graham. Too bad they don't take her picture without all that pretty hair. It'd serve her right. Yeah. How you feeling? Peachy. Uh, Reagan, how long we been working for the line? Too long. How many people been killed and messed up in that time that me and you know about personally? Too many. Hmm. One thing I can't get through my news. Why don't we get some other kind of a job? Real estate or movie extras or something. Why do we do it? Why do we do it, Jim? I don't know, Joe. I don't know. Jack Webb is featured as Jeff Regan, with Wilms Herbert as Anthony J. Lyon. It's CBS same time next week for Trouble, Suspense, and Thrilling Adventure with Jeff Regan, Investigator. The role of Max Vladney was played by Hans Conried with Barton Yarborough as Joe Canto. Betty Lou Gerson was Hilda Graham. Jack Crucian was Wendetti. Marlo Dwyer was Flossie. Jeff Regan, Investigator is written by E. Jack Newman, produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes, with special music by Del Castillo. This program came to you from Hollywood. Bob Lamont speaking for CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Welcome back. Well, some uh, nice highlights in this particular uh, version. Of course, it was great to hear a pre-Dragnet Jack Webb and Barton Yarborough working together. This wasn't the only thing they did, but they do make a nice pairing. While Lion's outfit is called something pretentious like International, we really don't hear a lot of operatives. In fact, I, I think that during the whole run of the series, the only other operative we hear is Kanto, and I, I believe he does come back for one other episode. One thing that stood out to me listening to this that I'd never caught before was when uh, Regan burst into the room where Kanto had been shot, and he said it smelled black. And the idea of smelling a color is a bit weird. I mean, maybe there is some usage that justifies it logically, or, you know, it's just one of those hard-boiled things. Oh yeah, it smells black, and everybody just kind of goes over it. Well, now let's go ahead and hear that same story done on Rocky Jordan. Uh, the original air date on this episode is May the 22nd, 1949, and the title is The Makeup Man. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, The Makeup Men. Be sure and buy a guidebook if you ever come to Cairo. It'll come in pretty handy. It'll tell you about the pyramids and the religion and the people. To drink plenty of boiled water and move slow. And the kind of clothes to wear so you'll be able to handle the heat. But the guy I met yesterday must have quit school early or he didn't like guidebooks. He was standing at my door in a cutaway coat and pinstripe pants, derby hat, cane, gloves, elevator shoes, and a fist full of Egyptian pound notes. You are Mr. Jordan, no? I, Max Bludney, have come to see you unappointed. That's right, I'm Jordan. Uh-huh. I come in. Sure, why not? Ah, you will do it? Do what, Mr. Uh, Max Bludney. Bludney, Max, 1642 Mulholland Drive, Hollywood 28, on Imperial Studio Payroll, Social Security 5248-1978. I am American, like yourself. <laughs> You're a long way from home, Yankee. Sit down. I do not have time, Mr. Jordan. I will not sit. However, I demonstrate. You see, this flower is wilted. I do not need it. This luggage check already lost. Also, I do not need. Cane? Ah, I place on desk. A gift from my grandfather. Very nice fellow I keep. Also gloves which I buy in Paris. Now, uh, what I have left, Mr. Jordan? About uh, 200 pounds in Egyptian banknotes. From bank I have just come. Also, this I do not need. For you. All for you. <laughs> I don't have a nickel. Why do I win the jackpot? Ah, now what I have. 
I answer myself. Bullet hole in Derby, you see? Uh. He's not finished. One, two, three. Those look like 38 slugs. Where'd you get them? Out of doorway to soundstage I dig them, where I am shot last night as I work. Well, who's shooting at you? If I know who shoot, I shoot back. I have no enemies. Everyone in picture company is mad in love with Max Vladny. I can buy new hat, but cannot buy new hat. Mr. Jordan, please, you will stop my body from dying. You're in the wrong place. The police department's eight blocks down the street. I will explain. In Imperial Motion Picture Studio, where master of makeup Max Vladny is imported to Cairo, Egypt, with the entire cast and company of great desert epic Tie My Rope Tight, to create beautiful faces from skinny skulls and fat necks is much newspaper. Free publicity sometimes for agents to press. Egyptian police think because I work for motion picture company is free trick for agents to press into newspaper. But it's not free, Mr. Jordan. To you, I come to take no chance. Mm. All right, you made your point. In I am, Mr. Jordan. You will accompany me, no? I haven't seen a real movie set in a long time. Sure, why not? Ah, already better, I feel. I kind of liked the little guy. I guess I believed his story. Sounded screwy enough to be the truth. Well, we went down and got a cab out to the location set, which was over in Giza, near the pyramids. I tried to get a little more information out of him, but it didn't come to much. He couldn't figure out why somebody was shooting at him or who was doing it. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when we got to the place. He had one corner of a portable sound stage that he used for an apartment. We walked up on the ramp together, and he was pulling things out of his pockets, looking for his keys, when things began to happen real fast. Get out. Gee, what I tell you? All the time someone's shooting at Max. All right, stay down. Again, my hat is full of holes. Oh, shut up. You aren't hit. Yes, but he's frightening. Uh, unless he's carrying a machine gun, he's through for the day. That was number six. Wait, where are you going, Mr. Jordan? You leave Max all alone to be killed? Uh, stay right where you are. I'm going after him. White gun smoke was still hanging around a clump of date palms over by an arc light. That's where I was headed. When I made it, nobody was there. But a hundred feet away, I saw a gray-haired man, stocky build, glasses, running down the hill to the highway. I pounded out after him, but I might as well have tried to catch an elephant with a butterfly net. He was quite an acrobat. He dived over a wooden road bracer and skidded down the embankment. He landed feet first in a jeep he had waiting on the road. By the time I got to the place, he was a half mile away. Now, when I got back to the stage, there was a black Nash convertible in the driveway and a blonde girl in the doorway. She had her hands full of Max. He had big tears in his eyes, and she was looking for a handkerchief. Something like this happening to you. Max, Max, why? Why anybody would want to do such a thing is beyond me. Beyond me also is this Hilda. What enemy do I? Max, darling, I don't know, I'm sure, but please, you must think. Think? How can I think? I'm oh, Max, Max, how terrible. <clears throat> how... Oh, how do you do? You're Mr. Jordan. Did you kill him? No, no, he got away. Oh, and I am again to be shot at. You say he got away? Yeah, who are you? Oh, beg my pardon. Uh, this is Hilda Graham. You have seen her in the movie pictures. <laughs> Some actress they call the shape or the face. Hilda Graham we call the hair. She is my wife almost. I heard shots as I drove up and found poor Max by the door. Oh, it's got to be an end to this business, Mr. Jordan. It's got to end quickly. 
Next time, maybe I will be in the head. Mr. Jordan, it certainly does have to stop. Why, Max Vladne is the finest makeup artist in the world. From Hungary to the United States citizen. And it'd be a great loss to the Imperial Motion Picture Studios. To the entire motion picture business, if anything ever happened to Max. See, see, I am valuable. Did I not tell you I am great always? Yeah, yeah, sure. Got a phone strung in here? Uh, in there. In my private workshop and study where I hope to work and live. Use it, please, Mr. Jordan, before I am dead. Maxie, darling, this is all so terrible. Yes, I know. Now, for all you've done for me, now I should be able to help you, and I feel so helpless. Oh, it's helpless. terrible for me. Captain Sabaya speaking. Sam, this is Jordan. Yes, Jordan. I'll give you the details later. I'm calling from the motion picture location. A little guy named Max Vladney isn't very popular. What do you mean? Somebody just threw some slugs at him. Was anyone injured? So far, no. Thank you for calling, Jordan. What do you mean, thank you for calling? Look, Sam, this little guy... You are being made a fool of. I suppose you have been paid money to use your influence with me so that police will be called in and the newspapers will carry a story about intrigue and murder with a motion picture company. Look, I tell you, this Jordan, little... Jordan, that is all. Listen, Sam, I... You threw phoning, Mr. Jordan? Yeah. Want a drink? No, thanks. I have a brand of something much better than that in my hotel room. I'll bet you have. Location trips are often very arduous and rustic, but this time I have a lovely suite of rooms at Shepherd's. Do you know where it is? Oh, I've been around. And I'm all alone there. Don't you think you ought to be in there holding hands with your boyfriend? He's had a hard day. Max? You keep... Then you're liable to burn up. <laughs> Mr. Jordan, who do you suppose is shooting at Max? Uh, you tell me, lady. I just met him. I thought you said you saw whoever it was. I did. A native? Maybe. Perhaps someone from the motion picture company. Maybe. Uh, you're sort of confused, aren't you? You don't really know whether it's just a trick or not, do you? Oh, uh, that isn't what I'm confused about. Oh. Well, I have to be on the set early tomorrow morning. If there's anything I can do at all, I'd be only too happy to cooperate. Why don't you start by telling me who handles your properties here? Hmm? A thirty-eight isn't very popular in this part of the world. It's an American gun, one you might be using in this movie. Any American gun is registered with customs. Really? And I have some slugs that Max gave me. Oh, I can dig some more out of the wall. And then what? Uh, police ballistics will look into it from there. If they want to look into it? Yeah, if they want to look into it. Well, Mr. Jordan, it's been very nice meeting you, and I, I know that you're going to take very good care of Matt. You were going to tell me the name of the property man? Isn't that funny? I really don't know, Mr. Jordan. I really don't know. But uh, if there's anything else I can do... Yeah, I'll give you a ring. Do that, Mr. Jordan. <laughs> I stood there and watched her walk through the front room. She looked like a leopard after a good breakfast. And she had a few nice spots, too. Well, she patted Max in the cheek and kissed him on the head and slid under the wheel of a convertible. That famous long golden hair was blowing behind her by the time she got out of the driveway. Max waved her goodbye. Be careful, my darling. Careful. <sighs> Lovely she is, Mr. Jordan. Yeah, Maxie, she's just fine. For her, too, I must keep myself alive. Gonna marry her? But, of course, as soon as we finish this picture. 
She needs me. Yeah, I bet. Me, wait. Mr. Jordan, you called someone. What now happens? We get some reinforcements. Aha, uh-huh. reinforcers. I like you, Mr. Jordan. You are good to me. Already better, I feel. I waited till Max went to bed, then I got on the phone and called one of my boys from the tambourine. A big kid from Texas who was doubling his extra bartender until he made his fare back to San Antonio. He showed up in 20 minutes. It's only me, Rocky. Yeah, take it easy. All right, Tex, come on in. Where's our clay pigeon? Uh, roosting in there. Uh, bring it. Mm-hmm. One for you, one for me. Who are we going to shoot at? I don't know. But the police aren't interested in finding out. I'm going to have to find out. Uh, is this legal? Worried? Sabaya doesn't like it. What makes you interested? I don't know. Maybe I like the little guy in there. Yeah, go on. Maybe he's in a tough spot where somebody's trying to make it look like he isn't. A lot of maybes. Don't you like it? You run a cafe here, Rocky. You're getting pretty far from the cash register. Oh, I can call somebody else, Tex. What do I do? Wait here till I get back. Keep your eyes open. Anything else? Somebody's a real good shot or a real bad shot. I don't know. I'm going to find out. Sam Houston talked the same way. Scared? Well, take your time, Rocky. I'll be here. Yeah. Already better, I feel. That was easier than I figured. Back in Cairo, a wire to the port authorities told me the motion picture company had brought in some small arms as props. Three of them with 38s. The wire told me the consignment had been handled by a man named Pete Berger, head of the property department. And it gave a second-rate apartment address. There was a jeep parked in front marked Property of Imperial Picture Studios. It could have been the one I saw that afternoon. And the girl who answered the door had a voice that sounded like an empty oil drum full of ball bearings. Well, it be, buddy. Brahms or Bebop? Oh, neither one, lady. Well, we ain't got either one for you. How'd you get so nice? I finished finishing school. That guy at the piano, uh, Pete Berger? Who wants to know? My name's Jordan. I'm looking for him. Well, that ain't him and goodbye. I'll ask him myself. He don't talk. Besides, his name's Valley. Richie Valley. What do you want? Pete Berger. They tell me he lives here. Richie and me ain't never heard of no Pete Berger, and he don't live here. Ain't that right, Richie? See? Richie says it's so. Is uh, that door lead to rooms upstairs? Yeah, that door leads to rooms upstairs. Mind if I take a look? I mind a lot of things, and taking a look is one of them. And you're going to be real put out, because I'm taking a look anyway. Stop him, Richie! Don't let him go up there! Bossy! I was only halfway up when a man in a sweatshirt backed over to the top of the stairs. There were three holes just about the center of his chest. He turned and tried to say something. I saw what was going to happen and hugged the banister. She was kneeling beside him, holding his head in her arms, rocking back and forth. Yeah, you guessed it. It was the same gray-haired man I chased that afternoon. He didn't live five seconds. You are listening to The Makeup Man, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Monday night at 6, Irene Don and James Mason will take you into mysterious Siam for a great story of intrigue in the court of a young king. At last, the fine motion picture, Anna and the King of Siam, has come to CBS Radio Theater. 
Don't miss it. Tomorrow night at 6 over CBS. Now we return you to Cairo and Rocky Jordan for tonight's adventure, The Makeup Man. How can you keep a straight face when a little guy in a cutaway coat comes to you and complains about the bullet holes in his derby and tells you that because he's a makeup man with a motion picture company, the police think it's a publicity gag? Well, the next thing you know, somebody is throwing 38 slugs, and even though nobody gets hurt, it stops being funny. And if the head prop man, Pete Berger, who was throwing the slugs, does a Brody down a flight of stairs all loaded up with bullet holes without speaking his piece, then you start to make phone calls. His girlfriend's name turned out to be Flossie. She had a good cry over him while I called Sam Sabaya. Sam showed up five minutes later. He gathered everybody together, asked them all a lot of questions, then he began to look tired, like he'd never been to bed. All right, Sergeant, take them down and book them as material witnesses. This way, please. Just a minute, Swatty, I got my rights. Oh, you were his wife? You're darn right. Me and Pete been married since 1937. My deepest sympathies, Mrs. Burger. I don't know why anybody's put the quiet on poor old people. I know my rights and I want to see the American consul. One of my officers has already notified the American consul of tonight's occurrence. In all probability, a representative of the American consular office will be awaiting you at headquarters. Well, okay then, okay then. We will discuss it later. Yeah, sure, sure. And you, Jordan. Oh, I got one story. And I wish to hear it. This way. It seems that every time there is a disturbance of note in Cairo, you are involved. Wasn't my idea, Sam. I might be forced to book you on technical grounds. Oh, stop it. You know I didn't have anything to do with Berger taking the long nap. When a man from your hometown is shot in your presence... In my hometown? Didn't you know, Jordan? Berger was from St. Louis. Passport office will tell you that much. I didn't know anything about him. But you did have enemies in St. Louis. What are you getting at, Sam? Jordan, I have known you for a long while. Our fortunes and misfortunes have a way of running parallel. Perhaps it is that we are born under the same star. Your past, you have never disclosed. I have never questioned. What about that passport office of yours? There is a great hurt. What else? I do not know. Sam, you can deport me any time you want to. You can kick me out of Cairo, even out of Egypt. All right, Jordan, it was a thought. The coincidence was extraordinary. I will listen. All right. A little guy named Max Vladney came to me and told me somebody's been shooting at him. He said the police wouldn't listen. Once before, when a motion picture company came to Cairo on location, we were the victims of an overzealous publicity man. Well, I might have had the same idea. I telephoned you this afternoon. Somebody really was shooting at Maxie. Many men, expert with firearms, able to cleave a, a button off a shirt at a long distance, are employed on the picture. Well, that occurred to me, too. But I want to make sure, so I got a line on the one who was making the noise. And you came to have a talk with him, only now he is dead. Yeah, that's him on the floor, in there. The police did not totally ignore Max Vladney's request, nor do we allow a company of aliens to arrive in our city without proper credentials. And, of course, we know their backgrounds. Pete Berger was an ex-convict. Huh? Some people get caught, some get away with it. Since his release from prison, he held many positions as a stuntman, as an actor, and finally as a property man. All right, what's this got to do with me? Perhaps, Jordan, you are unwillingly an accomplice in a murder. Got something to go on? Well, 
Someone in the motion picture company knew of Berger's background, and that someone was blackmailing him, forcing him to pay money to keep his position. <laughs> Sounds like an old fairy tale, Sam. One day, Berger refused to pay and threatened this someone. Also sounds a little backwards to me. Berger wound up dead. Now my conjecture is no longer hypothetical. It becomes almost a, a theorem. Someone must rid himself of a threat. Positions are reversed. You're sure making up a lot of questions. Oh, no, Jordan. Answers. A complaint about being shot is unheeded. The complainant would not be suspected. But if he somehow arranges for an innocent witness to bet out his story... Me? ...and then waits his opportunity to rid himself of the threat... You got a name? Where is your friend Max Valdley now? Out at his place. One of my boys, Texas, keeping an eye on him. To check the possibility, shall we make certain of that? Sure, why not? That is what I say, Jordan. Why not? Sam didn't say a word on the way out to the place, but I knew he was thinking that little Max he'd shot Pete Berger, and the way he'd put it made sense. Well, it was about four in the morning when we got there. The sun was just starting to make the sky look like a load of mud. When we pulled up in front, one light was still burning in the window. The rest of the place was dark. Everything was quiet. Come on, Sam. All right, Jordan, I... Jordan. Yeah. Cordite. Whole room's full of it. Guns have been fired. Come on, the bedroom. Yeah. This way. Max Vladney was lying face down, half on the floor and half on the table he used for a workshop. A bottle of spirit gum was spilled on the floor, along with some false blonde hair and a cracked wig block. He had one free arm around a white plaster cast of a head. He looked like a little wax dummy holding a doll. But the two blue holes in the middle of his head weren't planned. I was mistaken, Jordan. Here. You said there was someone from your cafe watching him for you. Yeah, I got it. What's that? It's from over there by the bed. It was Tex. He was lying over by the foot of the bed. There was a trickle coming out of one side of his mouth. No. No, no, don't try to move me, Rocky. It's in my lungs somewhere. I don't think I got any blood to spare. I've been laying here waiting for you, Rocky. Happened about an hour ago. Noise in Max's room. Next thing I know, I'm taking a slug myself. Call me a doc, will you, Rocky? Call me a doc, quick. Well, Sam made a lot of phone calls before it was all over. An ambulance came by to pick up Tex and take him to the hospital. Then Sam got his crew in there to take pictures and look at Maxie. He didn't say a word to me. Just went around sniffing things and looking. I kept thinking of Maxie and Tex. And part of it began to get hot inside of me. Jordan! Yeah? Jordan, where do you think you're going? I got some things to do. So have I. You aren't doing them fast enough for me. Jordan, you aren't contemplating a foolish gesture. Look, I've seen two dead men tonight and a friend of mine all shot up. The police will find out who is responsible. They don't work fast enough for me. Jordan! Your guesses weren't very good, Sam. I got some of my own. Wait. I haven't got time. This is a matter for the police to handle. They could have stopped it if they listened to Maxie. I warn you, Jordan. I will not tolerate any interference. Look, I like Maxie and Tex is my friend. He's lying in a hospital right now. We don't know whether he's going to live or die, and you're talking about interference. That's enough! That isn't half enough, Sam. Goodbye, I got business. I didn't know where to start or who to start with right then. It's like that sometimes. The flag's up, the meter's ticking, but you're getting nowhere. Then it came to me that Maxie's girlfriend, the hare, didn't know about him yet, so I went over to tell her. 
It was six o'clock in the morning, but she was wearing a dress that was meant only for nighttime. Well, Mr. Jordan, when I saw you at Max's yesterday, I didn't think you'd be by for that drink so soon. But come in, come in. I was just having some coffee. I have to be on location early. I'm all dressed for the scene, but I have to have a makeup job. You look all right to me the way you are. You can be nice. I have some tough news for you. Max? Something's happened to Max. He's dead. Oh, no. Oh, no, not Max. Poor Maxie. Somebody shot him three hours ago. Why would anybody want to kill Max? I want to know, too. Max expected me to marry him. And he had so many plans. Mr. Jordan, what can I do to help? A smart cop named Sabaya is going to be knocking on your door pretty soon. He'll want some answers. I want them first. Would you mind terribly if we sat down? I... You see, Max was all I had. And I... I want to be near someone. Sure, sure. I know I'm not doing this scene very well. I... Mr. Jordan, what can I tell you? Max ever mentioned a man named Pete Berger? I never heard the name before. He was the head of your property department. He was the one that shot at Max yesterday. He killed Max? No, no. But... Berger's dead, too. I was there when he got shot. Look, I'm not very good at this sort of thing. What are you trying to find? A reason. People kill for money or for love or just for the plain crazy feeling of blasting a gun at somebody. This has been a lot for you. You liked Max, didn't you? He was a nice little guy. But I got more than that. A friend of mine, he was shot, too. Another death? Oh, he's still alive in a hospital. Oh. So there's a reason. Well, aren't the police looking? I want to find out who. I see. What kind of work does a, a makeup man do with a plaster cast? I don't know. I suppose he studies the contour of the face and familiarizes himself with his subject that way. Hmm. He'd, uh, he'd have one of you? I suppose so. He'd have one of every principal in the cast. That's a nice face. Yeah, I've seen it in pictures. Oh, my, my press agents think my hair is my fortune. Yeah, long golden hair. Does it feel soft and warm, the way you hoped it would feel? Mm Hmm. You've been wanting to hold me like this, to see me like this, haven't you? I'm. And my lips. How do you like them, Rocky? I never loved Max. I was indebted to him. See, I was terribly ill several years ago, and he helped me. I can see why he felt the way he did about you. Can you? I like the way you did that. Max was working on something for you. Really? He had a plaster cast of your head in his arms when I found him. There was no hair on it, and it looked funny. Don't say that. Don't ever say a thing like that. But figures. What are you talking about? Murder, lady, and lots of it. Get out of here. You killed a poor ex-con because he bungled a scare job you blackmailed him into doing. Then you shot him last night because I was going to talk to him. You're crazy. You killed Max, and you thought you killed Tex. You said yourself there's got to be a reason. You got one. It's not money, your love, or anything else. I hate you. Every newspaper in the world is going to carry this story. Hilda Graham, the movie star with all the long golden hair, is really as bald as a boiled egg. You shut up! Shut up! Don't 
Don't you ever say anything like that. Don't ever say anything like oh, that. Pick up that book, and I'd like to have a reason to break you well, in two. What are you going to do? I'm turning you over to the police. No. No, you can't. You mustn't. They'll find out about my hair. Oh, please, please, don't let them know. Look, Max was the only one who knew. Don't let them know, Rocky. Please, Rocky, please. I couldn't stand it. I had to kill all those people to make sure that they... Please, Rocky. Please. You know how nice I can be. Lady, you're a bum. Now, Sam got over being mad when I brought her in. We sat down and figured it out. Max had been trying to get her to marry him, but she didn't want to marry anybody. And she was afraid if she didn't marry Max, he'd tell what he knew, so she killed him. It was her hair. That famous long golden hair. Only it wasn't hers. She'd lost all hers when she was sick. She couldn't stand the thought of anybody going around knowing she wore a wig. A couple of days later, I saw Tex at the hospital. He had some transfusions and a couple of other things. He was coming out of it all right. You know, I think he summed it all up when he said, You know, Rocky, I've been thinking. It's too bad they didn't take Hilda Graham's picture without that wig. Boy, that'd sure serve her right. CBS again at the same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Jack Moyles plays the title role with tonight's story by E. Jack Newman, edited by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool. Rocky Jordan is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Arant. Don't forget, tomorrow night at 6, Irene Dunn and James Mason will take you into mysterious Siam for that great story of intrigue in the court of a young king. The fine motion picture, Anna and the King of Siam, comes to CBS Radio Theater tomorrow night at 6. Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Uh, some interesting choices here. I thought it was kind of funny that, uh, you know, obviously Joe Canto was a character on Jeff Regan, but they felt the need to uh, replace the character with somebody from Texas. And so they created Tex, uh, who never returns on the series just because apparently it was determined that we needed to have somebody in a with a Texas accent. Even though I think his role could have been rewritten for pretty much any dialect. To me, there was nothing that screamed Texas about it other than Barton Yarborough. 
it was fascinating to hear how much they kept the same, as well as the things they changed. I thought the idea of Pete coming from St. Louis was an added wrinkle that really worked well with Rocky Jordan. I also liked how uh, they still managed to give Rocky a scene of being angry, uh, even though it was an entirely different motivation from the way that Regan and Jordan got mad, uh, and the way that they reached out to the police, uh, and the way they approached it, of course, very different for their characters. One thing I did like about this adaptation is with all of uh, the links to which Rocky was going, Tex was the character who said, uh, why are we doing this? Uh, you're running a uh, cafe, and you're acting like you run a security company. What's going on with that? Oh, Rocky's somewhat testy answer kind of cut off any inquiry. It's like, well, you know, I could call someone else. Oh, fine, I'll just stay here. There are some things that... Uh, the Jeff Regan version does better. I did like Hans Conrad as Max in the Regan version. And Betty Lou Gerson, I think, was probably better at playing the uh, murderess. What we got in Rocky Jordan was fine. I think uh, because they didn't actually give credits, I think the voice of Max in Rocky Jordan was played Paul Freese, who is okay. But I think uh, Conrad really brought the character to life in a way that was just a bit better than Freeze. I don't actually recognize the uh, woman who played the murderess in Rocky Jordan. There was also the scene where the hero found Pete falling down the stairs. I think the way that Jeff Regan staged that and the overall sound effects for that little scene were more effective than in Rocky Jordan. Plus, I think the way that Rocky Jordan did it creates some problems. In Jeff Regan, we don't hear the shot. The premise is that Pete's already been shot and he had stumbled from his room down to the stairs. In Rocky Jordan, he does hear the stop, which would mean that the shooter is close by. And I took Rocky Jordan the way that worked. I mean, uh, Jeff Regan, the way that worked, uh, that it signaled that uh, he had already fled. Or, you know, as it turned out to be she. Where Rocky Jordan uh, tends to win... I think is in its main character and also Captain Sabaya. They're far more likable than what we get from uh, Jeff Regan. Now, of course, some people do like their uh, protagonist with a little touch of anti-hero. And certainly, you can take some of that from uh, Jeff Regan. But Jordan is the type of person who just does stumble into things and does things to help people. And Captain Sabai is the type of person who does make mistakes, but will acknowledge them and try to make them right uh, when they come to light. And I think that does make for a bit more interesting radio, whether it outweighs the other uh, positives in favor of Jeff Regan, I guess is something each listener would have to decide. I'd love to hear 
which of these uh, you thought was better or, or and your overall thoughts on this um, experiment because depending on how listeners uh, react we may do more of these uh, in the future so I hope you enjoyed what we brought you this week well I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day thank you to Mark Patreon supporter since March 2020 currently supporting us at the shameless level of four dollars or more per month well that will do it for today join us back here tomorrow for casey crime photographer and then next sunday we'll bring you our last listener support special in the meantime send your comments to box 13 at greatdetectives.net follow us on twitter at radio detectives and become one of our friends on facebook Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.